No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Radio Wave Medjinomics. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and over the course of the next half hour, we'll be discussing with him the placing the template of Our Lady's messages over the issues of your daily life. And, of course, for those of you that are not familiar with the beginnings of uh, Medjinomics, uh, Medjinomics is a very broad topic. It's a very broad subject. Uh, generally, uh, we cover topics that deal specifically with economics, uh, but uh, specifically placing the template of Our Lady's messages uh, over the issues of your daily life, uh, economics being one of the main issues and uh, one of the main issues that are facing people today. And so as we begin this broadcast, we uh, ask that you, uh, in the quiet of your hearts, uh, open your hearts to be spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And now, our host, a friend of Medjugorje. Well, Happy New Year's Eve, <clears throat> and I uh, hope everybody's making the resolutions. The resolutions are something that always has to be done in the present, because we get so busy scurrying about and doing this and, and, and how the world has enslaved us that we actually... Uh, quickly lose those resolutions and thinking that I'll make them tomorrow. So the present is always the time to make the resolution, and then the resolve is to, to stay with that. And and uh, today, in this day and age, the way things uh, sail us along in the winds of society blowing through these sails, and uh, the rudder is society. And the only way to hold on to that is, is to have a prayer life, a quiet time where we can stay committed to what we're called to do. So, Frank, you're with us today again. Yes. Uh, hello, everybody, and um, it's great to be with you on this uh, final day of 2009. Exciting times always for the second of the month message coming up day after tomorrow. And also, uh, Maria's in Medjugorje. Sometimes she goes to the mountain. And, of course, we had the famous message that she said 
uh, I say famous, all of them are famous, but this is particularly of interest because the lady says, now that when Satan is unchained, consecrate yourself to my Maggot Heart and Sacred Heart Jesus. That was what we were to do with him being unchained. And uh, that was a stunning message and one we've often have promoted because we think it's very important. We thought he was released in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, evidently that he his uh, he was on long. Actually, I discussed this with Maria, and what I understood at that point, the way she explained it, was well, he he had long chains in the nineties, but now he has no chains, and we see that with the wreckage and the murder and the divorce and the, everything, and of course a lot of things are tied to economics, and a lot of the woes today are tied to the economics, uh, particularly in in the way that it causes stress. Causes people to be greedy, causes people to sin, and so the purpose of metagenomics is to bring people more stable, to be more independent of of the society, in a way that you could be more free to serve God. Often we've heard, "Oh, I wish I could do this, but I can't." I, you know, I've got to work, or you know, often people have two are living on two level in, two incomes, and whatever means people have. Where they're at the bottom of the society and their income are at the top. Uh, people on all those levels can live beyond their means. Very wealthy live beyond their means. We often hear this about uh, professional sports players. You know, suddenly they come into all this money and they have five houses and then they have bankruptcy, making eight figures, not six figures. Uh, they, can't, they, they, they can't do this. Uh, they don't know how to manage the money. So it doesn't matter where you are, you've got to live beneath your means, and that brings peace and security. And not only security, it brings the ability to, to be connected more to God rather than the worries of the world, as we quoted last week about going from week to week, chair, check to, uh, paycheck to paycheck, uh, never resting, uh, because people just want to do a little sacrifice, cut back, and, and radically change your situation uh, the peace that would come from that would be tremendous. Your payback on sacrifice is much better than 30 years or the next 50 years of just going from check to check. So that's what this show's about. And Frank, uh, I know we talked earlier and you said some things that you want to discuss today, so why don't we just dive into some of that? Well, yeah, and i just comment along the lines of what you're saying. The efficiency of Our Lady's message is so amazing. And you talk about doing a lot with a little. And, um, you know, last week on your program you said – you know, um, you know your situation. It's only ten percent the circumstances of the situation, ninety percent the attitude. And um, you know, some of the reason that I, um, you know, recommend particularly these books based on Our Lady's message is because it's so efficient. You know, once you get some of these things out of your way. You can read things like um, The Creature of Jekyll Island, which is very important, and understand, um, you know, more about what's, what's happening today. Realize what's happening. So, um, you know, it's just uh, our ladies' messages are just amazing that way for growth, and not only spiritual growth, but personal growth, uh, prosperity, um, you know, and, and building things around you. But... Um, Today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, 401Ks, paper investments, and uh, some historic ratios and, and uh, 
one thing I was uh, looking at this week is uh, for silver to be in the relationship it was to the Dow in 1980, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average is uh, 30 stocks that um, you know are supposed to be a basket of stocks that will give you a, a general idea of where the stock market's going. So if the Dow's up, your 401k is likely to be up if you're in mutual funds and diversified that way. So let me let me clarify. You're saying so take there's 30 stocks. It's called a basket of stocks you look at to get the direction the Dow Jones of the stock market. Industrial average is the it's average 30 of those stocks. 30 large okay. blue, chip, blue chip companies okay. that are a bellwether for the overall picture, and that's what your financial advisor will t- you know tell you where the Dow is and mm-hmm. where it's you know he thinks it's going. Now, why is this important even to know this if you're just Joe the plumber out there and just trying to put food on the table, what, what's the stock market's got interest for us at all? Because um, we've been taught that, uh, you know, we need to invest for ourselves now in the 401K. And the 401K was um, developed in the early 80s. And it's a lot of the reason for the boom of the stock market from the 80s until, you know, maybe we peaked in, in 2007 if you're, Looking at it in fiat dollars, um, if you're looking at it in relationship to gold, we peaked in 2000. Either way you look at it, we're in a a long-term bear market uh, for stocks. We look at them because that's where the world is telling us to put our money. Instead of before the 401k, the big companies that we worked for provided our retirement. If we lived a long time, then... Um, the, the companies wouldn't make out as good. If we died sooner, then they'd, they'd make out better. But they, they funded our retirement. So simply put, to simplify it, this, Joe the plumber's interest, not having any stock, is his retirement or his 401K or whatever his company's got. What these 30 companies or these blue chip companies you, you said they were, what they're doing helps them discern what they need to be uh, or seeing the direction of their 401K, if they're going to have it or it's losing money or whatever. Not that they should be looking at that in that way, but... No, but, but the way that I see it, and I'm going to explain this, this, this ratio uh, to gold and silver in a minute, but the way that I see it, the way that I look at all these paper investments are a huge Ponzi scheme. I think that the way that I look at paper investments... Ex- is explain that, for people who don't really understand what a Ponzi scheme is. I think a lot of us... Um, Bernie Madoff was in the news last year in December, and he um, took his clients for $65 billion of, you know, what he said he had. Um, it just wasn't there. And uh, what he was doing is, is the Ponzi scheme is, is new investors come in, and then when an old investor, you know, says, well, I want some of my um, money, you just pay them with new investors. And you, you the money doesn't exist. You just... Uh, you know, make it look like there's gains. And you just keep, as long as you're getting new investors and new money, when someone wants their money, um, you give it to them. And unfortunately, this is our banking system today. It's the whole paper system is a huge Ponzi scheme. And so if you looked at your investments as Bernie Madoff is is my investment manager, you're going to be... very concerned that you you start doing something today, and that's the way that I look at it. So Joe, Joe Plummer out there don't have any investment managers, not interested in it. How does that still relate to him, uh, tangible to him directly? Well, um, 
relates to anyone that has a 401k. Okay. It relates to anyone that has a CD. It relates in savings. In my studied view, to anyone that has a bank account. You know, if you have your money in paper investments, and that includes stocks, bonds, T-bills, everything, where they're telling you to put your money. Are just, it, are just dollars in the bank. Dollars in the bank. Dollars in the mattress. Because this is backed by nothing. It's like the story of the emperor with new clothes. This is exactly what the dollar is. If you believe it's, it's of tremendous value, if everyone believes it's of tremendous value, it'll have some value. But if China owns $1.6 trillion of our debt, and um, programs like Cash for Clunkers, which was, you know, you turn in your junk car and you get a, I don't remember what it was exactly, but you get a, a certain maybe thousands of dollars on the new car. China wanted the cars. China wanted the steel. They're clearly um, divorcing, trying to set up a system that they can, you know, let go of this, uh, you know, relationship with loaning us money and, and paying us back with deflated dollars that I'll, purchase less. I want to make sure this is all digestible. So why would China want to own a trillion dollars of our debt? Why would you buy debt like that? Well, specifically because um, if you go through your house and you turn your appliances and everything around, everything's made in China now. We're not producing anymore. And, and it's another reason why you should be very concerned, invested in um, American companies, American dollars. We're not producing. We're, um, we consume and they produce. And so it made sense to them to build their economy for a time. And, and we're not going to as long as we can buy a washer or $200 cheaper than an American company did. It's just the facts of the way things are. So where do you go from there? Well, in the long term, we have to start we have to start producing if, um, you know, our, our economy is going to sustain. But the individual right now... Mm. Which is not, not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen, happen because... In the, in the short term. Yeah. The, the greatest growth is, um, and you, you talked about, I think your uh, beautiful church in Birmingham was built during the Depression. The greatest growth really happens in those times, in very rough economic times. Um, and so, you know, we will come out of it, but, we, but it won't be without... Um, <laughs> chastising is the only word that comes to my mind, but it, it, it won't be without, a, you know, a catastrophic collapse. Well, people may be skeptical of that. I believe that. I see that coming, and that's why I'm grilling you to come to that point. Uh, J.G. Holland said, of all the advantages which come to any young man, I believe it to be demonstrably true that poverty is the greatest. I, I, that's what motivated me to do what I did, and that's poverty is a great motivator. Mm-hmm. You know, now we got things that alleviate poverty, and somebody, many people do nothing, and they're waiting, and that God is the government and money. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you better believe it. I, I think it's as far as um, an economic collapse is is um, is certain, and especially for um, Americans. And uh, you know, Bernie Madoff happened to be a Wall Street insider. He was the chairman of the Nasdaq, and now this is. Um, who Obama surrounded his whole administration with Wall Street insiders. And, uh, and you know, it, it, this should be researched. It needs to be researched. But the paper system is a gigantic Ponzi scheme. Well, I think you said, you know, a catastrophic fall, and the Ponzi schemes, all this adds up to these things. 
Uh, you know, we, we say, why depression? It's like 1929 was talking about this church, beautiful church being built in, in the heart of, of poverty. And, and Goethe said, a uh, philosopher Goethe said, everything in the world can be endured except continual prosperity. You know, it, it can't stay. It's just the facts. I know I read years ago that there's a 70-year financial cycle all the way back before the Roman Empire. That the world trade routes, everything had global depression. It's every 70 years. And we have band-aided our, our real... We've, they said we had a depression or an economic collapse in 89. We had it in, uh, now. We had it, uh, what, in the 70s. And, but these were not total corrections. What we're talking about is, is coming to a point of total correction. And I think you have to root this to the message, June 25th, 1989, that Satan has special plans to enslave you through materialism. He is active in this plan. And so we... we um, we armor ourselves with so many things, just like David. David, uh, they wanted to give him armor, and this was too much baggage. It, it, it weighed him down. He said, get rid of this stuff. He needed to be free. He just needed to throw the sling and, and kill Goliath. And we've got a Goliath before us. We, we have so many things that, that don't mean anything to us. Churches, are, they fail to win the allegiances many times because uh, they're just going to material equipment. Our, our, our value here in the mission as a mission is our life. Our prayer life, what we live, all the others just, all we have to be successful is our prayer. Everything else is just a tool to spread that, but it's not the equipment and then our prayer life. So you have churches failing, colleges, colleges you know, they want the best dormitories, they want all these things. And in that, they, they forget the learning. And you got these kids running around with parents, you know, huge sums of money, dressing them up. And what value is that? Nobody's been taught. Saturdays are such a wasted Labor Day when people could be uh, secure in the future. Uh, the whole football scene, all this stuff is garbage. Now, I'm going to offend people by saying that, but I'm telling you, you're going to regret this folly that you're so following when you should be poisoning yourself, not poisoning yourself with football and these sports and excessive love for them. Sports is okay, but the excessive love for them. Our lady said that, excessive love. Do not have excessive love for sports. It's poison. Instead, poisoning your, your future. Instead, you should be poisoning your future uh, and on Saturdays. Saturdays is our big work day here for the community. It's where we do our, a lot of our stuff to, to make it for the next week. We've got a saying here, five on one. Five days for God we work. One day for us, that's Saturday, and one day for rest. And, and people have learned, they forgot this whole method. And it, it's, a, it's a great thing and a great gift to be able to devote most of your week just to working for God. And people say, oh, yeah, that's you. No, we were in society just like you. So it's what we were talking about, and you mentioned earlier, the circumstances of this, and what are you going to make with those circumstances is 90% attitude. Why is one person prosper? Why is one person? There were, there were 150 Medjugorje centers when we started this mission, when I was in Boston. And, and what made this break loose uh, compared to the others? Not that they're not doing work, not that they're good, and we're for everybody. But what was the difference? A lot of it was the approach, the financial structure, the way we didn't want to be tied to that. We wanted first a spiritual life. We wanted to live it. We didn't want to be a Medjugorje center. Our lady liked it enough when she came here. She says, I want to establish a community here. I was shocked by this when Maria told me this after an apparition. And so we just ran it the same way. You know, the value of money lies in its control by spiritual purposes. That's a French uh, proverb. So 
the, uh, to desire it for its own sake is to destroy all human values. And that's where we are as society. We're destroying ourselves, valuing the money, equating it to, to something that's going to increase human values and decreases. Its purpose or silver or gold is strictly to be managed by spiritual purposes and for spiritual intents. You know, God gave us silver. God gave us gold. You know, uh, it's also a French proverb where the golden age is the age in which gold does not rule. So, you know, it's our attitude toward it. And then, then you prosper. And I mean prosper. I don't mean you're, you're wealthy and you got a yacht. I mean you prosper in that you're able to live underneath your means. The happiest people, and maybe this is the moment to read it, is, is those who are people who uh, don't have a lot. We've, we've, we've been in areas in different countries where the happiest people were those who had the least. And so God knows what we need. And so depressions come to correct things. And one thing we need to be corrected from is posterity. We take it for granted. We don't, we don't, um, we believe it's our due. Like I wrote in uh, Prayer to Heal Our Lands. The Purple Mountains of Majesty are no longer uh, held as our blessing, but as our due. We're owed that for ski lifts and, and enjoyment. You know, the, 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 all this, we just have really shunned God in, in looking at who gifted us with these things. And we're, we're going to lose them. We're in danger of losing them. Everybody feels it now. So the whole thing is how do you poise yourself? You don't want to keep wasting your Saturdays running around because some football coach told your kids to be here. I tell you, it's stupid, and one day you're going to say the same thing. You may call me that now, but you'll regret it. I'm telling you, it's going to come. Joan? This is entitled, Wealth That Can't Be Tallied. Nicaragua is the poorest country in Central America. Approximately half the population lives on the equivalent of less than $1 a day. The scene is familiar to anyone who has traveled the back roads of Latin America. There are miles of ramshackle homes with dirt floors, no electricity, and no running water. Women use rocks to pound the laundry clean in streams that run alongside their homes. Half-dressed children without shoes run through scattered livestock. Men fish with lines attached to pieces of wood since they don't have rods or reels. To Western eyes unaccustomed to traveling here, it looks desperately bleak. Yet there is something else that here you can't escape noticing. Most of the people seem genuinely happy. Kids play with no less abandon than kids anywhere else. Men and women greet you with a nod, a toothy grin, and a pleasant buenos dias. Their eyes smile. They laugh a lot. Larry, an attorney from La Jolla who married a local, told about the first time he invited his wife's family over for dinner. There was a terrific rainstorm, and since the river was high and her family had no transportation, he was afraid they wouldn't make it. He needn't have worried, he said. He could hear them approaching two blocks away, laughing and singing, covered with mud. Most Americans have difficulty imaging the daily struggle of these people. Yet they aren't miserable. Far from it. It's true. The poor are genuinely happy here, says Horatio, an, an Argentine who has lived and traveled throughout Latin America. To us, it looks like they have nothing. But they draw tremendous strength from their families, their Catholic faith, and their community. It's a sad irony that so many in the land of material comfort suffer from discontent, anxiety, and neurosis, while the folks here earning a subsistence living off the land and the sea seem relaxed and cheerful. Some will argue that you can't miss what you never had, what you wouldn't even dare to dream, but something more is going on here. One Stoic philosopher said, 
Learn to wish that everything should come to pass exactly as it does. His student also agreed. The first rule is to keep an untroubled spirit. The second is to look things in the face and know them for what they are. This is not just a practical mindset. For Nicaraguans, it is a way of life. When you can't make the world conform to your desires, your best option is to moderate those desires and seek contentment within. Happiness, it turns out, is an inside-out job. Satisfaction from fulfilling material wants, on the other hand, is always short-lived. This idea was widespread in the ancient world. Buddha in India and the Stoic philosophers in ancient Greece and Rome counseled people to break their emotional attachments to status and material wealth and cultivate an attitude of acceptance instead. To some, this sounds defeatist. What's the point in railing against circumstances that can't be altered? More often than not, changing your mind is a more effective strategy than changing the world. I don't mean to romanticize the living conditions of these Nicaraguans, incidentally. This is tough living. Literacy rates are low. The infant mortality rate is high. Many Nicaraguans lack access to basic education and essential health care. Still, you can't help but admire the dignity and spirit here. As the British essayist Eric Heller observed, be careful how you interpret the world. It is like that. And I believe you have the same thing with people saying, if I had a you know, different birth or, or born in different circumstances or better training and different employment or not these hardships, you, you, what you have before you is what God placed you in. And this speaks to biblical truth, what, what you just said. The principle is that you know, what's in the present is God's will. Now, you may mess that up and you may put yourself in some dire situations, but the fruit of those bad decisions is God's will because he'll, he'll you know, it serves as, as chastisement in some ways or shape, form, or fashion. So the best thing to do is just start taking those hardships and say, instead of saying, take this obstacle away, what do you do with circumstances that make it better? Frank, you were mentioning something about ratios. Well, um, in 1980, 16 ounces of silver bought one share of the Dow. And the Dow is now about ten thousand five hundred, and silver's about seventeen. So now it would take um, either about six hundred and fifty-six dollar an ounce silver, or silver would have to be forty times what it was in nineteen eighty to reach that ratio. And so um, something's either very high or very low, or, or something's askew. But um, and. Uh, of course, since 1980, how much silver has been consumed? It's in everything in our homes. It's in every electronic switch. It's in every laptop, refrigerator, microwave. So um, there's way less silver than there was in 1980. But, um, you know, to reiterate what you said, it's certainly not to, um, you know, build wealth or digits. Um, our lady's message is very simple, and it's just to get a simple life. I think silver will be much higher. I think silver will purchase at least 10 times as much real estate as it does today, but I sold silver in favor of real estate this year for three acres and, and uh, a building that was on our property. Uh, our retirement is um, to build our homestead where our children can, can build homes and you know, we can help them you know, raise their children, our grandchildren. That's, that's our retirement plan, and uh, this is the simplicity of Our Lady's message. Um, you know, what's, what is wealth? You know, um, you know, seeing your grandchildren every day because they, they live on the land that, you know, uh, you know you've uh, built in the homestead that you've built, that's wealth to me. But, um, but certainly you want to get 
your money out of paper assets that are very high and very overvalued because of the system and into um, hard, tangible, real assets in these times. And um, it's going to be, you know, a, a much safer place, a much better risk-reward. Well, what you're talking about is being stakeholders. I mean, you're settlers. You're settling. People don't have this concept. In fact, people's concept is to live in a subdivision. You're nomads. These are nomadic people. How are you going to be? Here? How long are you going to be in this house? Well, Ty, I can move up to another place, or I'm stuck here. It's not even home. What do you call home? It's a house. Home is some place that you can, you can play in the. Your kids play in the creeks. It's their grandkids play in the same creeks. You know, you have your own cemetery, and nobody thinks this way anymore. Nobody thinks village mentality, and and uh, to build a culture. We don't have. We keep going to Hollywood. Give us different movies. People say. Because they want they want the culture they want them to create the culture, you take charge. That's what all these messages are simply saying. You take the charge of your spiritual life. You take the value of the money, and, and let it be in control spiritually. You know, Frank, you, you you said something about silver. You traded in for for land, exchange for land. Okay, that's spiritual management. The silver in and of itself, the attachment that, that doesn't mean anything. It's a transitional thing. So if you can divest and get your equity, do whatever you have to do. Get your savings, put it in that in an interim until you can find you someplace or, or to restructure your life however God calls you. Yes, there's cities, and there'll always be cities. But the city of David had animals in it. The cities today are sanitized of everything. And people are starting to think different. New mentalities coming through the messages, even though they don't have any idea, even if they're pagan, the messages are affecting things, and people are starting to say, right down Manhattan, they're making ordinances where you have chickens. And it should be that way. And we've talked about that before, hogs and everything else. We need to go back to a closer, growing way of life, even in the city. And so uh, can you imagine, Just let's just go back to 1900s in the cities. Let's say New York. You know how many horses was there? You know what that smelled like going down the streets? And, and you can look on any old pictures and you see the women, women walking on, on the Sundays with the parasols and the men, gentlemen, with their top hats like Lincoln always wore. And, and, and they were refined. They had nice houses and those city streets, one after the other, and the immigrant neighborhoods. Everything had the flowers out there. And it stunk. It stunk. Okay, well, that wasn't a problem for the people because that was poor life. Give me the stench of that. Or let me say it a different way. Give me the smell of that instead of the stench of crime and the greed and the brutality and unfriendliness of the cities. So cities even need to be transformed. Actually, they need to be broken up. Small neighborhoods, four or five blocks, ought to just take charge and say, we want out. Make your own little village. You know, go to the city councils. There's a lot can be done. And I'm getting every, I've thought about these things for years. But the point is, is stop. Uh, what's that old 60s song? Stop, look. Um, look what's happening. Y'all are too young to know. <laughs> anyway, you hippies out there might know that. But... Uh, Stop, look, uh, what's happening? What is it, Frank? Look what's going down. Look what's, stop, going, look down. what's going down. You know, stop, just stop. A lady's message is that. Today, that's every, their children today, look at it. She's saying, stop, digest what's happening, and what are you going to do about it? And so there's a lot you can do. People are hand-wringing and thinking, okay, I just got to pray. Well, pray leads to action. Pray, pray leads to change, conversion, and then that conversion leads to action. You need to change what? The direction of your life, she says. You're going one way, I want you to go another way. And, and people, I've had one guy from New York once say, it's easy for you. You've got a community. 
No. I was doing what I was doing for years, 10, 15 years before the community. I was changing my direction in life. Thank God I was ahead of the curve. And thank God I'm able to, to do what I'm doing now and, and promote the message because we fell in that pattern. And everybody should be in tune with the messages even before they hear it. And it's often here. We'll speak here. We'll say the prayer at the apparition time of the 25th message. And what we say is exactly what we talked about. Or we'll be giving a talk the day before. And then the message comes out the next day with it. Or we pick the message the next day. And exactly what we're talking about was the message. You start living this simple life. You become in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he wants to tell you. And then it's confirmed. Later, from a priest with the pulpit, or somebody on the street, whatever. So there's a lot you can do. And remember, your circumstance, no matter what it is, 90% of that changes those circumstances is your attitude. And that's all got to be based on the message. We're out of time. Frank, thank you for being with us again. Yeah, uh, thank you, and um, we wish everyone a very blessed and uh, joyous New Year. And we'll see each other uh, next Thursday at uh, January 7th at uh, 12 noon Central Time, USA. And for those of you that would like to join in the interim, uh, on Saturday is the second of the month, and that is the day that uh, Our Lady gives a message for the world uh, to Mariana for on the day for nonbelievers. And so that will be at 7 p.m. Uh, Saturday evening uh, on January 2nd. Always exciting on the second of the month messages simply because they <clears throat> are very strong, especially January. Sally often says some very strong things at the beginning of January. So until the day after tomorrow night, we want to say good night to or good afternoon to you and wish you our lady. <laughs>